Hello, everybody, and welcome on the Light Zone Data Show. Today, we have a, such a great topic to uncover, and that's how to best implement a data catalog. And to do that, we have our amazing guest today, Rupal Samaria, who's the head of data governance at Penguin Random House UK. Welcome, Rupal. Hi, thanks for having me, George. Well, it's a pleasure to have you as a guest and to talk about this very important topic. We've tackled it in the past, but we never really addressed what are those best practices, what are the steps to implement a data catalog. So looking forward to hearing that from you. But first, I wanted to ask you, what what is the journey that you took in data governance? It's my, mine is... Uh... I think starts as many other of your guests have in the past. I started out in business intelligence, was dealing in support. So was always seeing sort of the data quality issues and thinking that this, there maybe has to be a better way um, to, to, to treat our data and to get ahead of some of the issues. And Penguin Random House has actually been on a data transformation for the last, I'd say two years in particular. Mm-hmm. And it's through that that we thought this is the really the best time to really get to grips with data management, data governance. So I established and lead a new data governance function at Penguin Random House. So I have a new team, new policy, new processes, um, and a new data catalog as well. So we're really making really rapid movements in a really short space of time. That's amazing. And we're very lucky to learn from your journey on implementing the data catalog as well. So just want to clarify with the guest um, what the data catalog means. And to me, at least, it's that enterprise-wide asset that's providing a single reference source for the location of any data set required for varying needs, such as operational needs, BI needs, analytical needs, what have you. And I think the purpose of the data catalog is really to organize the organization's data sets and help users perform searches for specific data, understand its metadata, maybe it's lineage, even how it can be used, and depending on the tool, even how others perceive the data's value. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to be talking a little bit about automation data catalogs. Some of the tools out there do a lot more than just those things. It becomes a platform for data discovery, which is what we're most excited about that there's collaboration features that actually we can start to break down the silos in our business and allow cross-collaboration by different analysts and different business users in different domains. And that's, that's what's really exciting. But yeah, absolutely, the, the core functionality of the data catalog is to make sure you have this single source of truth for what your data means. And that's important to us. What drove Penguin Random House to really put together a data catalog? What were the needs that had to be met? We've been on this transformation for the last two years, but in the last year in particular, the last 18 months, we've completely ripped up our old technology and brought in a really modern data stack. And we wanted to make sure that we did it right from the get-go. We wanted assurance on this massive investment that we made. So we moved away from burning platforms like Niteza, unwieldy stored procedures, and we're in the process of moving away from business objects to move into a really, you know, near streaming data so fivetran snowflake and and power bi Mm -hmm. but all of that the appetite for data is really there in our organization and it's an untapped appetite that we needed to meet and governance is part of that because you're pushing ownership in a way back to the business giving the chance to actually see the data that they own because that's always a challenge when you tell people do you think you're the owner of this data and they say yes but maybe they don't necessarily understand what it is or how much it is and what they need to do with it and that's what a data catalog provides them it's this place where they can go and go yes this is what i own and this is what i need to do to improve the quality manage it better Um, and yeah we spent 
a lot of time and pitching and making sure that we got buy-in from everybody. So I, I, I created endless decks and as I'm sure many of your guests um, have talked about data storytelling in the past, it's a really important part of making sure that you get the buy-in for a data catalog. Right, understanding their pain points and relating your power deck to those pain points and how the data catalog would help address some of their needs, make it about them and how it's relevant to them. Yeah. And I, our pitch is actually probably one of the easiest pitches for why we need data covenants and a data catalog. I always say, imagine a world where we were managing every single book in all formats, you know, without knowing your central store of author data, titles, cover images, royalties, the number of chapters in a book. It'd be like a big pile of books on the warehouse floor or, or a big pile of books in a library. And I just swap out the books for data. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what we want to do with data. And that's why we need a data catalog. I, I love that imagery that your story created in my head. I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm in. If I would have been a business stakeholder, I think I would get that right away. So I think it's relevant to anybody, that example. So it's simple, but also very efficient. So thanks for sharing that with us. So that's the first step to build a business case, convince everybody to, to chip in and be on board and support this initiative. What follows next? I think making sure you have the right team in place is really important. You need talented individuals and we're a very small team at Penguin Random House, but we're nimble and we're committed to what we deliver and we believe in data governance. And so that's really important because we like to say that we're a people organization and that means a lot to us. So the right team is really important. But then I think it's you need to make sure you do a really good evaluation of all the data catalog providers. and. There are many, and some of the claims out there are outlandish at times, mm -hmm. or there are a lot of companies that claim to do data catalogs or data governance, and it's not really the case. They have tacked on a little bit here and there. So you need to make sure you do your research, if, whether that's a full RFP or you, maybe you've got some steer or direction. Um, but yeah, I think really taking the time to evaluate what is the best provider for you. And I would say a good provider will do lots of demos for you and not just for yourself mm -hmm. as a data governance expert, but bringing your users into that journey. Mm -hmm. So if they can see early on what it is you're trying to do, they're more likely to support, particularly when you're going for that business case. And that was important to us. Were there some specific must haves that you're looking for in terms of features for the data catalog? Yeah, simplicity is what I'm looking for. So I'm a big believer in this user centric approach. I need a really neat, nice, easy to understand user interface. I think great features, absolutely. But we're a company that wants to build those over time. And we wanted influence over some of the direction of where the data catalog is going. So for us, what was important was to drive user adoption. We need a simple, clean, searchable interface. That was our top priority. Great. And then you chose a vendor. We did. We narrowed down a list of probably starting from 10 to three, mm -hmm. and then we went with a company called Data.World. And they're a, actually a startup out of Texas Austin. But again, the user interface for us was the thing that really sold it. And they were willing to spend the time with us to talk us through all the features. And really the next big step is we did a pilot. Um, we did a, a six month pilot with them. So we were able to prove the value and show the value very quickly. And I think that was really important for us. And how was that? What made it seem that it this is a big success. Yeah, so we were able to 
easily manage our glossaries. I hate Excel glossaries and I know this is a great place to start, but it, I get very fed up of it very quickly and I know our business do as well. So being able to actually import that very quickly into data.world and share it very easily, it becomes searchable and that was important. So it's built on our knowledge graph. So it means anything you, that's in there is easily searchable, but also we could link our business definitions back to the data sets that are in the tables. So mm -hmm. in the database or in the dashboard, being able to have that link between this is the definition and this is where you find it. That was really important. And, be, and to do that in an automated fashion, because mm -hmm. I haven't got, I haven't got multiple resources that are going to sit there stitching that together. So that it does it for me is really important. Then it's your team that maybe just double checks and verify some of these automation steps. Absolutely. We want to spend more of our time with our users. That's what we want to do. We want to spend time, you know, encouraging our business to manage data, helping them support and own their data. We don't want to spend loads of our time faffing around with a tool set. But that's what a good tool provides you is actually to help you not make your life harder. Now, did you choose to import all the data sets available within uh, Penguin Random House, or is it those that kind of go through your department, you're curating it, stewarding it first, make sure it's proper quality and, and whatnot and has definitions assigned to it, and then absolutely. you push it through the data catalog? Yeah, absolutely. The second of that, I think if you try to boil the ocean and try to import everything, you're not getting any value out of it. We were very careful and we're still very careful that we focus on the data that's in our domain first. So within the data team, within our platform, our policy is we will not bring anything into our data platform unless it's been governed first. And that's really important because it means you start to change the conversation and the relationship with data. So we're very clear on that, but we absolutely started small and we still are starting small because we want to make sure that what we provide is highly curated. In terms of the business glossary, that's a little bit more free as it were we want people to start inputting that even if they're not necessarily putting their data into our platform because that business knowledge is still really valuable mm -hmm. so we wanted to make sure we still allowed that that to continue mm -hmm. and does that go through a check as well as users are inputting information it's your team that's validating that first and then it's publishing it for others to consume yeah, absolutely. So we have our data stewards in particular that are creating and curating that business glossary. Um, what we do is provide them support as, have you thought of this? Maybe there's a better way of phrasing this. But we really also want to make sure that their data owners are approving the tabs that they've they've created. So we sometimes have a data steward network, and that's something that we're really trying to do a lot more of so that people can have a voice in, in what that data means. So walk me through a little bit, uh, imagine you're one of the users of the data catalog, logs in, what would they be able to find about a specific data set? So if they're logging in, the first thing that we hope that they're doing is going to the search bar, because mm -hmm. that's what we, we want to make it a Google experience for them, because that's what users, that's what everyone gets used to, <laughs> having information at their fingertips. And that's what we want to do with data at Penguin Random House. So ideally, we hope that they're coming in and we start tracking that a lot more closely now. And that's what the tool allows us to do. But they come into the search bar. The great thing about automated data catalogs is the tagging feature, the fact that you can tag data. So even if you've got data or columns of data that are terribly named, as may be the case on some of our heritage systems, 
because we can tag the data, they can still get to the information that they want. So a lot of the time they're coming in to just check their understanding of data. They come in to find the tables that they want to use for analysis. So an instance that we had in the past was a data scientist wasted seven days, you know, trying to find data, asking around, and actually in the tool, they found the data that they wanted in 30 seconds. And that was really important to us, is wow. that enablement factor. Absolutely. There was a survey a few years ago by the IDC, uh, International Data Consortium, and they were saying that usually an average information professional who's one that works with data, consumes data, uses data, really is wasting 80% of their time every week kind of searching for what they need to work yeah. with. So I would assume that the data catalog cuts a lot of that time. Absolutely. And when they're, they're the core critical data sets of your organization, having that in the central place that everyone can find, you do democratize data in that respect. And that I think is the easiest thing that you can provide is a catalog. It's curated and it's here for them, ready for them to use. Now, as you were going through the implementation steps of the data catalog, were there any pitfalls that you stumble into that now to avoid for next time? Absolutely. For me, I think picking the right tool is really important. Setting expectations. Yeah, I'm someone, I'm guilty of, I want things faster, I want things better. And sometimes the tech isn't there. So I think making sure that we stick really clearly to our vision and, and recognizing the fact that even the very best data catalog out there still has some way to go to, before they get to full automation. And I think it's just managing that expectation is really, really important. Another is cloud expertise is an absolute must. I think we did a lot of learning around our cloud setup and our cloud architecture at the same time as implementing a data catalog. And that did make things slightly challenging. But the team are really great. They love a challenge and they love learning. So we overcame that and we're better off for it. I'm sure. Now, I'm curious about the cloud comment. So is that because the way you're architecting and pushing data into the data catalog, you're first moving everything to the cloud, and then you have the one point of consumption, that's the cloud itself? Or are you drawing from multiple sources and the cloud is one? I think at the moment, as many companies are, we're, we're on that journey. We are, particularly in our data space, we are cloud first with everything that we do. But there are other parts where it's maybe not suitable to be in the cloud. So a tool that works with all of them is important. But because we focused on our data platform first, you know, we wanted to make sure that it was cloud first. So some of the architecture behind the software needed to be in the cloud as well. And so we were working um we were learning at the same time as implementing, but yeah, I find the challenge quite invigorating as well because you are learning as you go and, and what's better than that. Just like to bring a couple of comments. Atul is mentioning that he, he likes Google-like experience. Jane Blackman was mentioning that they called their data catalog the Yelp of data. I love that, yeah. And that's it, it's the glue. Users are expecting just fast, instant information. And so if your data catalog is not providing that, then you know, maybe it's time for re-evaluation. Mm -hmm. Do you feel you, you had that advantage because you come from a business intelligence world and you know what you want as a business intelligence professional and how you want to see that data and consume it and work with it. So you saw that side of the fence as well. And so when you're looking for the data catalog, you could also cater to those needs. 
I think that helped, but I think more than anything is when I was in VI, I was on support. So I was talking a lot more to users than anybody else, mm -hmm. even less so sometimes than our tech team. And I think it's that experience, listening to their frustrations. I, I, I liken sometimes data governance to therapy for business about data. And I know Nicola Raskam and she says that as well. And I, I think it's so true. Focusing on what users want are really important. And so that's what they're used to. That's what they want. If they can get, and we work with Amazon as a book company, so that they know they can search everything there. Mm -hmm. We need to be able to make our data experience like that. It's funny that you mentioned that because whenever I talk about the data catalog, Amazon is what I provide as an example. It's like, think of the data catalog as your Amazon, but for data. It's, it's amazing that within Amazon, you can look for something and fairly easily, you can actually find what you're looking for, or at least that's the perception. And similar with a data catalog, I think a great tool and a great implementation, successful one, would be able to bring those data sets easily to those that are searching for it. Yeah, absolutely. We, we work with Amazon as a close partner and, and customer of ours. And so that experience we're very conscious of. So absolutely, we, we need to make it like that. Um, but for us, that Google-like experience is, is really key. Integrating it with our intranet is our future plan as well. Mm. Now, what happens if a data set gets updated, gets new data pushed, or its metadata gets changed? Maybe its definition has a bit of a tweak. Would the data catalog help in any way to push that information out and let people know that, hey, there's a change on this data set that you've been using? The tool that we picked in particular allows our users to question some of the business definitions so there's what's really is that instant feedback loop from users so if they see a definition for isbn and they don't necessarily agree with it which it's a standard uh, industry terminology for us or if they think it could be better defined they have the option to suggest changes they have the option to have a discussion direct with the stewards and owners in the platforms so that becomes auditable and visible to everybody so anyone that has the same question they don't necessarily need to ask it again because someone's done that for them. So I think that really does save time in the business. In terms of uh, metadata, the way that the tools can scan the, the, the different systems now, the fact that you can automate that, put that on a schedule, means that you are picking up the latest information at all times. Mm. And that's really important. Mm -hmm. And what other types of metadata are being surfaced within the data catalog besides having the business glossary piece? Are there maybe the technical metadata as would be useful for those data professionals, especially for data integrations and whatnot. I think that's good to have, but is there anything else in terms of data classification or the data ownership or anything else, even the source of truth, what have you? Yeah. So just by actually scanning our different data sources and being able to provide that classification on top and, and do that in automated, I'm not manually going in and saying, this is the length of this you know, particular column, et cetera. Mm -hmm. it's, it's doing that all for me and that's what's really important. And the bit that then I can focus on is working with our teams to just curate the business context on top. So I really do like that. Um, the other great thing, and, and we don't make enough use of it yet, I'll be fully transparent about that and we are going to, is the profiling of our tables because you, know, you start to see then What's your quality looking? How many nulls have you got in your different column? What's the distribution? So that's all really important to us, but we're still on that. That's amazing that they have that capability as well. So it looks like a really great product. We have a, a question here from uh, Prasanna and they're wondering 
Who are your top consumers of metadata? I think it's the data analyst community in particular. Um, data science, I, I don't think we can shy away from the fact that because they are generally on a more day-to-day -day basis into data, into reporting, that they will be in there a lot more than others. I think through the business glossary, you know, we want to see more interaction with users out in the business. And as we provide more self-service reporting through our Power BI platform, when users see something there that they're not quite sure of, being able to then provide a platform for them, data catalog for them to come in to check it, check their understanding, and then leave, that's perfectly fine. I think, you know, that's still, they've got value out of that. One of the, the challenges that I've noticed within the data science teams is that even when they do have a data catalog and they're able to find all the data that they're looking for, they're taking it, consuming it, but then they're creating new data sets as a result for their needs. Is there a way for them to push those results back into the data catalog for consumptions of fellow team members or other teams? There is, and in, in actually, uh, one thing that we're looking at is different sandbox areas for our data science um, community and data analyst communities. And one of the things that actually data.well provide, but, but other providers do provide as well, is a virtualization feature. So actually mm. they can create projects within the data catalog and keep them there. So it becomes not just a Google, but like you said before, the Amazon, so they can actually click to cart, but that working and that all the working that they've done, all the description, that stays in one place. So it can be surfaced to everyone, but the data doesn't necessarily have to move. And that's what's important because we don't want to create loads of different pipelines when all they really need is a place to join the data and surface that. That's wonderful. And you mentioned the add to cart. Then would you as the, the admin, let's say, of the data catalog, would you have the ability to see who's using what? Yes, we would be able to see who's using what, but also we, through the platform, control access. So even if you can see the project, you can't necessarily get to the data unless you have the access to the underlying data set. And that's important for security because mm -hmm. we need to make sure that we are, of course, GDPR compliant as well and not surface data that people don't necessarily need. But then users can still see that this project maybe has what they want and then go and request and get the necessary access so that they can save their own time and save their own work because it's already there. And the availability of the data sets is again made available to everybody just to search and find, but then to use, they do need to request that access? The plan will be to start with some use cases around that. So at the moment, we are very much limited to doing mm -hmm. that. We haven't yet necessarily explored more sensitive data sets because the nature of our business is, is very different. We are a B2B organization, so we don't necessarily deal with that much user data, consumer data. So we have not yet tackled that, to be truthfully honest with you. Any best practices and lessons learned that you had on implementing a data catalog? My current lesson then is lineage is hard and mm. it's, I knew it was hard and it's still even harder than I ever thought it would be. So that's my takeaway at the moment um, is just trying to work out how we would best best make sure that we do that in the best possible way. And that's because you're trying to create the lineage of a particular data element or an entire data set from its moment of creation, its data source, all the way to the multiple ways that it can be consumed. So how Absolutely. it goes into reports, dashboards, maybe other systems, models and whatnot. 
Yes, stitching lineage, like stitching the data. You can get a lineage in certain systems, stitching it all together is very hard, very difficult. So <laughs> I think just if you are doing it, bearing in mind that will take a lot longer. And that's a little bit more manual or there's some automation involved in there too? There, there is automation involved in there too. I think it's still just even technical teams struggle with lineage. I think that's true of when you see the number of issues that people experience with data. So it's it's just a complicated topic is as much to say, but we are definitely still automating and we're really actually excited um, for what's to come in the product that we have. Can a tool detect a breakage in that lineage if something changes and it's no longer consumed by a particular report? I don't think it can yet, but I, I assume in the future that's what that will be working towards. And how are you envisioning to maintain all of that? Are there those data stewards that are assigned per the data domain or per the data element even? Or there's the owners of, let's say, the, the report that needs to take care of notifying your team back that, hey, we're no longer using this or now we are using this new data set? I think we have to be proactive about it as a data team. And I, I think we are very good at that. We do robust data testing, data quality testing at the moment. I think what we need to maybe work on more is surfacing that information back to users so that they feel confident in data. When I think about where our future is heading with being able to see the breakages in, in the lineage itself, I think it still depends on the criticality of data. Not all data is equal. So it doesn't necessarily always need to be that someone needs to respond straight away. I think it just is the case of it needs logging and that someone understands that this issue is not necessarily going to be fixed. So I think it's that alerting, that proactive alerting is important, right. but it doesn't necessarily mean that you drop everything you do to go and fix it because it may not be critical to your business. Right. Now, lastly, I wanted to ask you about those metrics of success, how you're still keeping the polls that things are going well, people are happy. So I would assume that immediate feedback that you're getting, the kudos that you're receiving, it's a great representation of, yes, we're doing well. Are there other metrics that you're keeping a tab on that show to you and your team that, okay, yeah, this is going in the right direction? Yeah, we actively are looking at daily active usage, all of the usual web analytic uh, metrics, who's the top searcher, who's clicking the most, who's spending the longest in there. Those are all important because what you know we want to learn from those that are in there. But equally, those that are not coming in, you know, we have to spend mm -hmm. time speaking to them, learning whether or not they need to be in there. Can we provide more training? So we're actively monitoring that on a weekly basis. Thank you so much, RuPaul, for leading us through your journey and how to best implement a data catalog at Penguin Random House. And thank you again for sharing those tidbits with us and knowledge. Thank you so much for having me, George. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Bye.